So we are doing a series on the Psalms, and as I mentioned last week, I'm going to ask people to come and just share a song that's meaningful to them uh, for whatever reason. It doesn't have to be a spiritual reason, though it could be. And I've asked Fred Howard to share this morning, so he's going to share as we start this sermon this morning. Thank you, Fred. All right. Uh, those of you that know me may kind of know that Come on, one song? Come on, what are you talking about, dude? I know. Okay, I know. so there were only maybe 150 that came to mind, and I'm going to give you the top three, but I'm only going to talk about one specific one. Okay, so over under Earth, Wind, and Fire, right? September. Come on, it's, it's not a party unless that song's there. Uh, the first song that they played at my son's wedding, it's just never going to be great without it. Number two, The Blessing, Elevation Worship. When you're talking about a blessing for your children's children's children, come on. <laughs> that just makes me emotional just <clears throat> thinking about it. Um, but the number one song is a deep cut. It's a band called Mute Math. And um, basically, it's a song of desperation and a song of hope. And it's all wrapped up into one kind of beautiful bundle. Now, what makes it meaningful to us is that we we had this we we love this song so much that it was the song we chose to wake up to for almost five years the the whole lifespan of my last phone <laughs> so it only got retired when we replaced the phone and just haven't reset it so, and some mornings we would just listen to this entire song so i'll just share some of the lyrics where's your heart gone Where's your soul? Where did all your faith go? Where's that old spark that fell your stole? I bet you're gonna find it in no time at all. Where's your nerve gone? Where's your hope? Where's that sunrise that you've been waiting for? Where's that one day that you'll have it all? I bet you're gonna find it in, in no time at all. In no time at all. And then that was uh, basically a way as Brian said in your prayer, <clears throat> to our center our hearts as we woke up, the first thing was to be able to acknowledge that we had all this stuff going on in our lives. We all do. Uh, a bunch of you in this room found out this week that you may not be working till next year. <laughs> That's rough. Um, but we all have this common thread of hope that binds us together in, in the joy of the, our salvation and the sacrifice that Jesus made for us. And that's the first thing I want to think about every morning. I want to start my day in the gratitude of that. And so that's the number one song. Thank you, Fred. Thank you, Fred. Sorry to make you narrow down to that. You, you did three, though. You, 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 got, you, got, you got a little bit. Uh, so, yeah, we, we've been looking at the Psalms, and, and, and I said there's some songs that we would say, you know, are not necessarily Christian, but they have that kind of a message that uh, make us think. I mean, some of the lyrics that he's sharing, it sounds like the Psalms, like there's some points in that. You know, what does it look like for us to really reflect on where, where our lives happen to be, and, and what does it look like for us to then um, pursue God even in the midst 
of all that happens to be going on. When I think of the Psalms, I can't help but think there was a, a time in my life that I, I came back from church camp and I was just like really, really excited about my faith. And uh, I was reading through it. I chose to read through the Psalms. And this is the, the Bible that I have in my office. It's like when, from when I was in high school. And I went through the Psalms. And you might not be able to see the numbers very clearly, but I rated the Psalms on a scale of 1 to 10. So I still have that uh, today. And I, now that I think, I kind of laugh looking at that, thinking about like David and Moses watching me from heaven. It's like, that one got a two, buddy. Ha <laughs> You know, I just imagine. And it's maybe a little arrogant, too, to go through and like rate these. And it would be interesting like to go back through all of them and to read and see like ones that perhaps didn't resonate with 16-year-old Brian that maybe resonates a lot more uh, with me now. Because there are, are themes throughout the Psalms that I think are, are important for us. And there are themes that like come up over and over again. Towards the end of the Psalms, there's this section called the, the Hallelujah Psalms. Nick has done an awesome job picking songs that say hallelujah uh, a lot today. Towards the end of the Psalms, there's just it's, it's this over and, and over again uh, idea of, of praise the Lord. Just I don't have these on the screen, but this is Psalm 146. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, my soul. I will praise the Lord all my life. I will sing praise to God as long as I live. Psalm 147. Praise the Lord. How good it is to sing praises to our God. How pleasant and fitting to praise him. Psalm 148. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord from heavens. Praise him in the heights above. Psalm 149. Praise the Lord. Sing to the Lord a new song. His praise in the assembly of his faithful people. Psalm 150. Praise the Lord. Praise God in his section sanctuary. Praise God in the mighty heavens. Praise God for his acts of power. Praise God for God's surpassing greatness. And if you're just reading through that, hopefully you notice uh, what the theme is, right? It's just over and over again, praise God. And throughout scripture, it's important to notice what themes come up over and over again. I love how Andy Crouch says this. Um, He's a scholar, he says, in an age without bold face, capital letters, or even written vowels, how would you convey to readers that one section of your text, more than another, was of special importance? In an age long before the invention of paper, when papyrus and parchment were precious, repetition was not something a writer engaged in lightly. Now today, if you are to write an email, and there's like, you know, here's the thing that you need to take away because no one's going to read all three paragraphs of this email, I'm going to bold and underline. I might change the color. You can change the text. There's like so many different things that you can do today to say this is the main takeaway that hopefully in two weeks you're going to remember because remember it was once in bold lettering. But back then... If you're trying to convey like one idea or an important thing, this is the way that you would do it over and over and over again. Praise the Lord. God, I lift up your name. It's an invitation for us to look to God in the midst of our lives. As, as Fred shared, that, that song that was meaningful to Kathy and him until his phone died, uh, but it, it was at least, it still is very meaningful. It's, all right, I, I'm going to lift my eyes up, and there's always going to be problems. There's always going to be stuff that is happening in your life, but what would it look like for you to, to look just a little bit above your problems? To praise God even in the midst of it. Psalm 103 says, Praise the Lord, my soul, all my inmost being. Praise his holy name. Praise the Lord, my soul. And forget not 
all his benefits, who forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion, who satisfies your desires with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. Psalm, the psalmist describes this, this personal beginning of, of worship. It's, okay, this is what we are doing. We're trying to remind ourselves of what God has done in the past. We are reminded of God's holiness, that God is set apart for me. And we often don't do this, and I'm going to have Nick come up and lead us in a song uh, right now, uh, but I wanted to just stop and, and praise God together. So if you could stand, let's stand and sing. I told somebody I was doing this, and they said this isn't allowed, but uh, we're, we're going we're gonna to try. But in, in, the, in the midst of, of this set of psalms and this understanding, I, just, I wanted us to just stop and, and praise. So go ahead, buddy. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. We should do that more often uh, because that, that is what we are, are called to do, to, to lift up God's name in the midst of our lives, in the midst of what um, is, is happening in us. And I, I know for me that, that worship is a, a time where I get a chance to like, examine my, my own heart, my thoughts, the things that have maybe been racing a little bit too much in my mind this week. Psalm 103 continues. It says, the Lord works righteousness and justice for all the oppressed. He made known his ways to Moses, his deeds to the people of Israel. The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love. He will not always accuse, nor will he harbor his anger forever. He does not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. As far from the east is from the west, so far he has removed his transgressions from us. This takes it a little bit more to a communal level. Here is what God has done in the past, that God was, was faithful to Moses and the people of, of Israel, and God is, is compassionate and, and gracious. Let me think about God's attributes and think about um, how, how God calls us forward to a different space. The psalm continues and says, As the Father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. For he knows how we are formed. He remembers that we are dust. 
A life of morals is like grass. They flourish like a flower of the field. The wind blows over it, and it's gone. Its place remembers it no more. But from everlasting to everlasting, the Lord's love is for those who fear him, his righteousness with their children's children, with those who keep his covenant and remember to obey his precepts. The psalm then continues, from everlasting, oh wait, never mind, that's the end, I got that, never mind. (laughs) But this psalm tells us to remember the good attributes of God, the things that God has done for us, and there's something powerful that, that happens when we do that, when we stop and we remember One of the themes throughout the Old Testament that is often brought up, the story of of the Exodus, which is found at the beginning of the Old Testament, God then reminds people over and over again, I'm the one who brought you out of Egypt. I'm the God, uh, your father. And after a while, you're like, all right, God, we got it. But it's it's not for God. God doesn't need that. But the people need to remember, this is what God is like. That psalm tells us the, the Lord works for the oppressed. That God works for for those who who need the work of God in their lives to remember. And we then get an opportunity to to join God in that work. And there's such freedom. I love the simplicity of that song, the doxology. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. And what would it look like for us to just continually remember that? And there's great blessing in coming together together and gathering to worship. There was a, a study done by Vanderbilt University that, that talked about the benefits of praise. It said, of the 5,449 people of all races and backgrounds who were surveyed, 64% were regular worshipers. Non-worshipers had a significantly higher overall allostatic load, and I looked up that. Uh, allostatic load uh, refers to the cumulative burden of chronic stress and life events. So non-worshippers had a higher overall sense of of weight and the burdens of life. And scores of higher prevalence for high-risk values of the 10 markers of allostatic load than did worshippers. There's something that happens when, when we come before God. We bring the things that are on our hearts. And we realize, like, I'm not the one holding this whole thing together. There's someone who is. One practice that I try to do from time to time is to go and just look at the mountains behind our church building here and to just recognize that those mountains were here long before I was born, and they're going to be here long after I die. There's this whole world that goes along, and the problem that I can get into is when I start to think that I'm the one who's in control of it all. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. And this is especially important when we're going through difficult times. Jesus, as he is headed to the cross, there's, there's this one like verse in Mark chapter 14, verse 26, It says, when they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. As Jesus is is heading to the cross, 
with this group, and this might be the greatest miracle that he ever performed. He got a group of 12 middle-aged men to sing. I don't know. Like, that's, that's pretty remarkable. But um, he, he has an opportunity, and they sing a song. It would be really helpful if Mark told us which song he sang. That'd be pretty nice, right? Like, th- like, just, you might as well mention it, right? I mean, if we're going to be just putting that in there, we don't know. Maybe just insert whatever your favorite worship song is. That must have been what they sang. But one of the, the group of songs, because this was during Passover, um, during the Passover, there is a collection of, of psalms called the Halal Psalms from Psalms 113 to Psalm 118. So it is likely, perhaps, that they sang one of those songs together. And there's an interesting line in Psalm 113 that says this, the cords of death entangled me, the anguish of the grave came over me, I was overcome by distress and sorrow. And later in that psalm, it says, For you, Lord, have delivered me from death, my eyes from tears, my feet from stumbling. Think of Jesus maybe saying those words as he is going through this incredibly difficult thing that he's been headed for his entire life and ministry, but when it's actually starting to happen, he's feeling the weight of it. And in the midst of the heaviness of that time and in that moment, he and his friends pause to sing. Because there are benefits, and, and please do your own research. There's study after study that it is helpful for people to gather and sing. It, it's helpful for you individually as a person to sing to God. And again, do your own research. There, there's tons of different studies that show us that, but the ultimate goal of it is not just that. Like, that's an awesome benefit. That's a pretty cool perk. But the ultimate goal of us gathering to worship is then to move beyond ourselves and to get to this point where there's something that God is calling me to do that I wouldn't do on my own. And Jesus is really struggling with this. He's, he's wondering, you know, God, is he going to pray eventually? Is this, if there's any other way that we can do this, let's, let's do it that way. Let me go to option B. But what is it in, in your life that like, God has called you to do that you wouldn't do on your own? Because oftentimes when it comes to worship, oftentimes we are separated by our worship styles. You know, some people like old hymns. Some people like old hymns jazzed up a little bit. Some people like all new songs. And it's hard. It's so interesting. I tell our worship leaders all the time, you have a way harder job than me because um, generally people aren't experts on the passage that I'm talking about. I don't think there's any like Psalm 116 experts in here today, so I can kind of tell you what I think it means. And, you know, you, you, every once in a while people come and like have a conversation and uh, talk with me uh, about something. But our worship leaders, like it, it's hard. It's hard to gather a group of people. I've said before that there's a reason why wedding DJs struggle, and it's hard to get everybody on the dance floor at the same time. How do you get five generations of people to like, dance to the same songs at a wedding? And how do you get you know, five generations of people to come and worship together? Thanks, Nick and Laura. That's your job. So I, it's, it's hard. It's hard to do. 
And we all have our preferences, and we all have the things that, you know, I like that a little bit more. Or like I said, I just heard somewhat anecdotally that um, people generally like the era of music from when they were in college. I mean, I don't know if that's true or not, but it kind of gets stuck um, in that. And so it's, it's a hard thing uh, to gather, and oftentimes when we talk about worship, it's like, oh, no, I, I liked it, or I didn't like it. And oftentimes it's just us kind of staying in our own feelings, Instead of truly been, instead of truly like offering our hearts before God. And the thing that I think is, is important for us all to recognize is that there is a way that God judges worship. And it isn't whether or not there was a smoke machine or not. In the book of Amos, God is, is trying to correct some people who are like, they think they're doing it right. And God says, stop playing those songs. You guys, I mean, it's beautiful. You got double dueling harps for worship. But that's not what it's about. Because goodness, you're singing it. It's it's beautiful. But what difference is it making for somebody who's in need? This happens to be a good Sunday for us to be passing around the sheet for home again, right? I mean, it's, but what, what difference? And of course, it doesn't, you don't have to partner with, with certain ministries. I hope uh, that, that you do. But what difference is it making? Because praise isn't just for us to feel good, though, again, there are benefits to that. But it's then for us to think differently. It's then for us to, to notice the person who's serving lunch after this, to slow down, to have eyes to see. Because God notices, and again, you can worship in a lot of different ways and a lot of different styles, but it's about ultimately, God says in the book of Amos, like, okay, what is it producing? How, how are you bringing justice into the world? How are you helping those who are in need? Because this is what God's like. It isn't necessarily helpful just for you to feel better a little bit for a while, though there is a, a benefit to that, but ultimately, how is God then using that time to call you forward, to be sustained, to, to serve, to do good works in the world. How are you having eyes to see the people who are all around us who carry the image of God in them? I saw a great story recently, and I'm not sure if this guy is a Christian, but there's a short video that I want us to watch that I think is what it looks like for us to get outside of ourselves a little bit. Steve Hartman tells us about the power of a dream. No one has ever attended Harvard Law School for its sparkling glass doors or smudge-free countertops. In fact, Support staff here say most students never even notice their efforts, with one remarkable exception. He says, I just want to give you a hug and, you know, say hi to you. They say one day, this one student 
started thanking all of them. Thank you for what you do. And this is something very different. I'm like, what is this kid's angle? Food service worker Brion Merchant was skeptical. But once I heard his background, that's when it just all made sense. I'm like, oh, <laughs> you see us because you're one of us. Mm -hmm. For sure. That student is Rehan Staten. Before coming to Harvard Law, he worked in sanitation. My job was to refurbish the dumpsters. I've heard people literally point to me and point to my coworker and say, like, don't be like them. I think it just reminds me to stay humble and um, just remember I wasn't always standing here. Today, Rehan has not only maintained his humility, he has multiplied it. Earlier this year, Rehan started a nonprofit called the Reciprocity Effect. Its mission? To guarantee that from now on and forever, the support staff here at Harvard Law would not only be seen, they would be celebrated. This was the first support staff awards banquet, honoring in Oscar-like fashion the custodians and cafeteria workers and everyone else who makes this place possible. The feeling of knowing that you are appreciated will always go a long way, especially for those who don't know that. I think that's what makes what Rahan did so special is because you didn't even realize how unseen you were until you were seen. And then all of a sudden you're like, oh, this is kind of nice. Rahan Staten. In the coming days, a lot of graduates will stand high on a stage, a great vantage point to finally see all the people who lifted them there. You did it! <laughs> Appreciate you, man. Yeah, that's... You see that and you know, like, this is, this is what God is like. And we, in our worship times, get a chance again, and there's, there's benefits for us personally to think about our own problems and to put them into perspective, but then ultimately, it's that we would notice. I went to seven years, I went to undergrad and grad school, and I can confess, I never did that, and I never saw anyone else who did, really. What is it? look like for us in our current context, in our space, to tell the world around us, I, I serve a God who cares about everybody. I serve a God who notices. And I, I believe in this kind of stuff. It's like, you can't do that for everybody, I understand, but I always try to remind us, what could you do for one person that you wish you could do for all. And how might you, because of who God calls you to be, who God reminds you, who you are, how can you then be changed? Because we serve a God who cares about all people. And when we think about worship and true worship, may we always recognize that it isn't about if we sang enough contemporary songs or enough old songs or whatever it is. Like, but may we just think about how it is on us as worshipers to humbly come.
before God. And true praise leads us to seeing people as God sees them. To continually bless those who are around us. Let's pray. God, may we remember this this Harvard student's example. And may we do for, for someone this week what we wish we could do for everybody. May we recognize that that praise of of you ultimately is is looked at by the difference that it makes in the lives of those who are in need. And that over and over again, the Psalms say, praise the Lord. And it's not for God's sake, it's that we would remember who God is and what God is like. Help us as we remember who we are and then how we're called to love people in our world. And help us just, just at least once this week, all of us, to love someone as, as you do us. Your son, Jesus, and I pray. Amen.